0: Lone survivalist and lone survivors and preppers out in the in the community, our community across the United States, maybe in some other countries, listening in. Um, we're coming to you tonight. This is the second of April. We all survive April Fool's Day. Uh, yes, uh, April Fool's Day was not a joke this year. Um, we're coming to you from the well. At least I am. I'm in the uh, middle of the Ozarks here. <clears throat> um, we're going to be talking tonight to the other members of the, of the survival, Lone Survivalist team, Matthew Tate, Stuart Stapleton. We're going to cover a variety of topics. Um, and I think what we need to get into right off the bat, it is the hot button item. It is on every media, form, broadcast, social, TikTok, Instagram. Hell, they probably even got it on Pornhub at some level. Uh, We're going to talk about the coronavirus tonight, and we've got some updates from a broad range of connections from Matthew Tate. Um, If you want to subscribe to the podcast, we're at www.patreon.com backslash loan survivalist. We're running it at about a buck a month for a subscription. You can be a, a higher level donor or creator. And have the opportunity to come on and share some of your skills, information, uh, knowledge on the podcast with some of us for, um, for the betterment of our community, the betterment of ourselves, educating everyone out there on, uh, on the internet podcast land. But we're going to jump right in now and talk about some human contact, some human information, some, some good old standard communication that is unfiltered, unbiased. That is the word of mouth, friends, and family is often better than, than the news because they have advertisers that dictate who, what, when, and how they can share things. So I'm going to turn this over to Matt. Matt's coming from American Survival Co., and he's one of our founders and creators here. And Matt's got some information on, on the, up, uh, the ongoing uh, epidemic, pandemic, uh, with some contacts that he's got. Matt, let's, let's jump right into what information you've picked up over the last week.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks everyone for, for tuning in. Uh, so just really quickly, uh, I'm part of a, a group who is scattered across the U.S. in different locations, and uh, we have a phone call, uh, like a conference call, once a week, and basically uh, we just kind of fill each other in on things that we're seeing uh, with our own eyes and hearing with our own ears in our local communities and states uh, to give everyone Uh, an idea of a bigger picture of what's how things are progressing and and how people are reacting to, uh, you know, lockdowns is strong. That is in some places, but, you know, a lot of the self-quarantining and things like that. So uh, to start it off, um, everything from a lot of uh, smaller crime uptick uh, since a lot of larger PDs are not responding to nonviolent crimes at this point. So seeing a lot more like break-ins and the beginning of uh, a little bit of looting type situations. Uh, One of them talked about, uh, they had an acquaintance um, with a friend who had told them as soon as official lockdowns uh, begin, I'm sure that may not happen everywhere, but there'll be some places it'll be so rampant with the the virus that they'll just have to, uh, that they were already planning where they were going to start looting as soon as everyone was kind of locked in. Um, So here's, what's concerning about that to me. Uh, If one small group of, you know, bad actors is planning that you can bet your bottom dollar. They're not the only ones. So, Just kind of stay frosty, uh, you know, keep realistic expectations. We all hope uh, for the best behaviors out of our fellow man, uh, but not everyone uh, is going to be operating on the same level uh, as good, honest uh, Americans. So keep that in mind. Something else uh, that was really interesting to me, and this was uh, either North Carolina or South Carolina, uh, and I heard this from other places in the country too, all of this traffic on the interstates with campers. Uh, my best guess is a lot of folks are, are doing their bug out thing. And for many years now, I've heard a lot of people say essentially, Hey, my bug out location is I'm taking my RV to either a state park or, you know, a national park, something like that. And, and, What's funny is all these people that had these plans to go to national forests and things like that, now the states and the feds are starting to close those down, shut the gates, and there's no way to get in. So people being turned around uh, in South Carolina, who you know had these plans, that's where they were going, being turned around, and now where do they go? That that was their plan. So I really, I really didn't ever expect that. You know, I've heard people say that before, and. My thought was, well, lots of other people are going to be doing the same thing, so it may not be the smartest, you know, choice. But it really never crossed my mind that unless you're on foot and bugging out with a backpack, that you might not be able to get into those areas. Uh, so uh, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting, and probably threw a, a wrench in the gears of lots of folks who have plans. On getting out of here and we're starting to see that somebody told me today i knew they were talking about it that the uh the buffalo buffalo uh national park the river here buffalo river was being shut down because there were so many tourists coming in uh from out of state that they're just really concerned about the spread of this thing with people gathering and not using proper you know social distancing so uh i don't know maybe uh, it's time for some folks uh that haven't you know moved out yet who think they may have to you might need to rethink your plan a little bit because where you're thinking you'll go just may not be an available option uh those are pretty much the highlights um that i'm seeing and hearing at this point uh pretty standard across the board in terms of schools being shut down and restaurants and bars and gyms i think that's becoming a pretty common theme across america uh but definitely the uptick in crime which depending on how things go, will probably just become more significant. But just keep your eyes peeled and, uh, you know, keep those things in mind, especially if that was your plan, if you had to leave your house, you might need to start thinking about an alternate plan in case those parks or wherever you were going to go were going to be locked down or closed with no access. So That's a a
0: great point, Matt, a great point. I, I think we all need to rethink and have a backup to a backup, you know. Uh, we we all got to kind of be human multi-tools, have, have a different, a different plan. And you were talking about the crime. There are so many people out there that will use any emergency, any disaster to capitalize for themselves, or they won't let an emergency or a disaster go. They won't waste an opportunity to do that it's there's, uh, there's it's, two pitiful. Other things,
1: it's pitiful two other things that i picked up today that i thought were very telling as well that i'll just throw out there really quick the first one is i got a, a call from a friend of mine uh he is in the real estate realm and he was telling me that uh he had been talking to uh some church pantries uh and some uh you know food banks uh, and they said they are seeing anywhere from 40 to 60% more traffic and he said he did some googling and started doing some research and and was seeing lines a mile long of vehicles lined up to to food pantries so we're not i don't think quite yet at a point of desperation for a lot of folks but look if there's a 40 to 60% increase of demand from food banks that's pretty significant, and we are very, very early into where this possibly might go. The other thing is, uh, I got a call today from my wife, and she said they had had to change uh, the way they're doing some of the things at their clinic. And one of those things is uh, they are recommending to their staff uh, that they change out of scrubs before they leave. She said that she had seen on the news... That there was a, a lady in Oklahoma City wearing scrubs, maybe getting gas, something along those lines. And someone came up and shot and killed that lady because, what? because she was in scrubs, she must have been spreading coronavirus, right? So, oh, God, how I mean, somebody is very scared, very concerned, and obviously, you know, mentally unstable, but, uh, that's, that's kind of scary that people are already to that point of fear that they would just go up and kill someone because they're wearing scrubs and assume that they're spreading coronavirus. So those are the last two updates, and those, those came to me today. Um, I couldn't believe it. It's just crazy. That is,
0: that is absolutely ridiculous. That I mean, I saw something very similar on the news, and it was in Britain And it was very similar to where a nurse or uh, some healthcare workers that were uh, had stopped on their way home to pick up some groceries for their own families, and they were harassed for that because it was deemed that you know those scrubs that they had could be bringing in the uh, bringing in you know contaminate that, as we all know or what we've seen and I've seen personally scrubs are at the uh, it's probably the base layer of all this other uh, hazmat suit that they're wearing right now but that is just uh, it's very disheartening to hear that anybody would be uh, persecuted or looked down upon or even threatened or even some violence for something like that um speaking of the violence um I work for a, a large box store retailer, sells outdoor goods, sporting goods, uh, fishing supplies, uh, professional fishing supplies for bass. You should be able to figure that one out. And, uh, I work up there at one of our local shops here in the Ozarks. And we were just talking before the the podcast started about gun sales, um, gun sales for, month of march at this particular location was over 1000 firearms and the number of people that i've dealt with coming in that were unaware of what kind of firearm they wanted how to get a firearm they had no idea you had to get a background check they didn't know what a 4473 was i've had number of people that have Um, self-rejected themselves by answering the questions truthfully and saying that they have a medical marijuana card. I even had a guy try to use his medical marijuana card as ID. Um, So gun sales are up. Uh, Gun sales are, are high. Um, I think the violent crime and maybe some of the home invasions are going to take care of themselves. If, if, if the people that are buying these guns are, are practicing some self-awareness, but Um, Stu, I'd like to turn it over to you and and Matt and maybe talk about some alternatives or some things that you've seen for maybe those individuals that live in some of the cities where they can't legally buy a firearm or maybe some other forms of protection or, or some other lines of, of getting some training or getting better prepared to use those firearms that they, they've just purchased for the first time. Um, I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys to talk about that if you want.
2: Yeah, um I think if you're in one of those states that um, or cities that don't you allow you to have firearms, um, you're probably your best bet after that is like something like good locks on your doors um, and then probably something like a a taser or a baseball bat or um, battens uh even a knife or machete but um the best the best bet is um using a gun isn't going to solve all your security problems so um it's sort of like a, a whole a, a holistic approach you've got to have everything so from good locks on your doors windows uh a good um Lighting outside, making sure that um, you know all your entries and exits to your uh, place of residence, um, things like that. If you're outside, um, pepper spray. I wouldn't necessarily recommend using pepper spray in your house if you don't have to. Um, It can end up pretty bad for both you and the rest of your family. But um, definitely, if you can't have a gun, uh, a taser or something like that, baseball bats. um, But yeah, um, Matt, what do you think? What do you
0: have in your house, Uh, without getting too much in detail, Stu? What is is your first line of defense? for well for personal protection where you live and, and i'll i'll gladly talk about mine as well I, i'm I have no qualms for for any of the listeners knowing out there that that i am uh a, a, a well very well versed second amendment uh combat veteran that will happily defend my castle
2: well um pretty much on the same too i'm uh um i live in the countryside here in america i live in the ozark mountains Everywhere I go, I have – I've got a concealed carry permit. So I carry a Glock on my hip wherever I go, even when I just walk outside into the garden. Um, I've got uh, bears and um, and coyotes in my neighbourhood. So um, by my bed, when I go to bed at night, the Glocks by my bed. Um, I've got rifles, shotguns, uh I've got bows and arrows, I've got, uh, axes and swords and all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, um, basically if I hear a bump in the night, I've got a, um, my Glock by my bed and it's got a, a light on the pistol and, uh, I go and check things out. Um, if someone was breaking down my door, uh, to get in or breaking through one of my windows, I'd I'd just start yelling at them, get out of my house. If they keep coming, yeah, that's when I'll I'll shoot, I guess. But um yeah, I've got uh two very big dogs uh as well and they um I know my older dog is quite um good when it comes to uh security. He has on uh, occasions uh, chased people off. So, um yeah, I've got my dogs, I've got my guns, I've got good locks and all my doors and windows, I've got lighting outside. My house is uh very secluded. You not many people know that there's a house where I live. Um people drive by my gate all the time and and when people in the neighborhood um bump into me, when I mean neighborhood, I, I live on a large amount of acres. They go, where do you live? I tell them where I live and they go, oh, I didn't know there's a house up there. And these people have lived in the area for some time. So, um, yeah, um, my security is, is layered in several levels. And um, basically, I'm in a good position security rise. So I know Matt, he's been involved a lot in security. What do you think?
1: Uh, you know, I think, like you said, a holistic approach, uh, and, uh, by that, I, you know, I'm thinking in terms of 360 degrees and layers. So, you know, my setup, first, let me say, um, if somebody wants in bad enough, they're getting in, right? So I don't believe that there's any of my security elements that are keeping someone out, like, That's just probably not going to happen. If they went in bad enough, they'll get in. But what I do have is lots of speed bumps and deterrence, right? Mostly those speed bumps are to give me time to react. So I have 12 cameras that cover every single angle of approach around my house. Everything is well lit. Um, I've upgraded the locks on my doors, the windows, all those types of things. Uh, And I've got a Belgian Malinois that stays inside. She's a house dog. And so uh, she has run of the house at night. So if someone were to come in, God, I feel sorry for them when they encounter that dog. Um, She's a very, very protective uh, dog. But, I mean, obviously, you know, if they had a, a gun or something, they could dispatch my dog. But the point is... It gives me time to wake up and to react to the threat. Uh, in terms of if that were to happen in, in, in my house, everybody's situation is going to be different. Some people have a one-bedroom apartment. Some people have you know a five-bedroom home and everything in between. But it's really important to spend some time evaluating. Uh, does your kid, if you have kids or loved ones, are they on the same side of the house as you? Are they on the complete other side of the house? Um, we also have a crash plan uh, in, in my house, meaning if something happens, there's uh, a word that my family knows. And when they hear that word, they know exactly what's going on, they know where to go and exactly what to do, and to wait until uh, the situation is uh, taken care of. So, you know, a big part of that, you know, obviously guns, uh those types of things are a huge part of my security plan. But hopefully I've done a good enough job in planning and preparing that it doesn't come to that. I would way rather yell, hey, I've got a gun and I've called nine one one, leave my house now and that work. And if anybody's in their right mind, that's all it's gonna take, right? We don't want to have a corpse in our house. Uh so it's all about that mindset of what can I do, you know, the the lock on my bedroom door. It's not like, uh, you know, a big deadbolt on some kind of uh, security door or something like that. But it's one more barrier that someone has to go through and give me time to prepare for that unwanted uh, encounter. So I, I think in terms of that, if you can't have guns, <laughs> look, let me tell you, you can go to any Walmart or Kmart and buy a slingshot and if you get steel ball bearings for that thing <laughs> that thing is ridiculously deadly you've and got they, a gun <laughs> you basically got a gun <laughs> let me tell you you yeah. take uh you know a steel ball bearing from a slingshot to someone's head it's probably going into their brain i mean th- those things are serious so there are a lot of force multipliers if you can't have a gun um bec- whether that's because they're not allowed where you're at or whether that's because You uh, have a felony on your record from 20 years ago. Uh, It doesn't matter. You still need to be able to defend your family and your home and protect yourself. So I love guns. I'm a gun guy through and through. But if you can't own one for whatever reason, don't feel like you're just out of luck in being able to protect yourself. There are a lot of different options out there uh, that are really effective. And let me tell you, I don't want shot with a slingshot anywhere anywhere with no. Bar, right? No, thanks. Uh, so that's that's my two cents on the, the security angle of things, but planning and preparation and setting up uh, layers to your home is really key and critical to give you time to react, to give you time to get 911 dialed and yell, hey, I've called, even if you don't have a gun, yell, I- I've got a gun and I've called 911. And the other side to that is, Make sure that you've dialed 911 and put it on speaker and you leave that playing. So, if there's ever a thing where you got to go to court, there is a live recording that you have told this person, Get out of my house. I have a gun. I've called 911, and you've done your due diligence to try and get them out of your place. And if it winds up being an encounter, it's all being recorded live on those 911 recordings, and you've got some way to back up what you're saying. If it ever came to that, God forbid, but if it ever did, that's an important thing to think about.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the individual coming into the homes, and I think part of the reason we're talking about this, um, the news is very well publicized. The report came out yesterday with unemployment spiking with about six million new unemployment claims. As unemployment goes up, people's sources of incomes goes down. Those people have children. They've got families to feed. They <sighs> Difficult decisions lead to bad decisions. And the more that you can be prepared for other people's bad decisions, I think the better off than you can be. Getting back to what I was saying, these, each, each of us are listening to this show, participating in Lone Survivalist page. We're more familiar with our homes than someone breaking in or coming into the home period. And you've got that so-called home field advantage of, I know where this is to protect myself. I know where the light switch is. I know where, you know, I know where the furniture is in the dark. I can, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I can walk through my house in the middle of the night and not trip over anything except for probably my dog. Um, Magically, he's always in the way, but, I mean, that, that's kind of where I'm going with that. You're more familiar with your surroundings, what you might have at your disposal behind a door, behind a, or in a closet or in the bedside table. You know your surroundings more than anyone. And knowing your surroundings or having your surroundings staged for whatever you might need to do, you've got the home field advantage, period. That, that person's an outsider, an intruder. They don't know what you have. That's the way I look at it. You know, I mean, I wouldn't, uh, I, I would, I would pity the fool to pull a a phrase from BA Baracus. Um, I pity the fool that would want to go down and, and break into, to Stuart's, uh, house down in, in the middle of the Ozarks. Um, I, I, I would not want to be that guy. I, I would pity the fool that wants to go up and break into Matt's house. You know, I wouldn't want to be that guy. Um, but as we know, when employment goes up, crime goes up. They're directly proportional. Directly pr- now, on the opposite side of the coin, as employment spikes, white collar crime goes up. So, crime is probably proportional to a little of both. Um, but yeah, I think being prepared for self defense, personal protection. Working on, I mean, you can get on YouTube right now and check out some jujitsu classes, some Krav Maga, and and you've got plenty of time to social distance yourself in your garage and and work on some moves uh, with your family, your children, whatever. You know, uh, I know a lot of families that I, friends that I know, they, after talking with me, they've set up duress words. Uh, kind of a code word with their family that, you know, uh, say a phone call, they get a code word and they immediately know that's, that's the duress word to go bug out. You know, that's some other options that you can set up amongst your own, your, your own circle.
2: Um, Stu, you got anything else to add to this? Um, no, just, well, actually, okay. I've got one. We talk about bugging out in the prepping community. Yep. I don't think people should just go, I'm bugging out, unless you know where you're going to go. One, you have permission to be there. Good point. Good, okay. That,
0: ding, 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 ding.
2: Good point. Yes. Two, you're taking a lot of resources and you know how to grow resources or make resources there, but you're also prepared that if you go to that location and other people are going, the same amount of resources are going to be split between you and other people. So just there bugging go. out going out in the middle of the forest, that could be a recipe for disaster. Um, if you haven't got a bug out location um, that you've locked down, that you've reconnoited, that you know uh, how to live there and be there, and you've got permission to be there. Just just turning up to a national park or a state forest or walking off into the woods, um, is is could be a recipe for disaster. So, somebody might me,
0: take what you brought with you.
2: Is that what you're trying uh, to say? That there's that because there could be a lot of other people with the same idea. And the other thing is, if all all these people go into the woods and yeah, I know how to hunt deer, but everyone's hunting deer deer are going to get gun shy really quick and get scarce and they they you're out there with two weeks worth of cans of beans and you're, you're done two weeks later you're done what are you going to do um i don't think unless you've got a bug out place lockdown and plenty of supplies and your ability to regenerate those supplies at that new bug out location now bugging out is not an option unless you're in dire immediate threat of death or serious injury if you stay in that location right now yes i understand you may not have a uh a bug out location but there could be let's just say a scenario where there's any big riots or a big city-wide fire or emergency or something like that and you have no other other choice to bug out fine you've got to do that but just saying i don't care i can live in the woods that's not being prepared and that's not that's not a good thing
1: and for most I, I completely people completely agree that's not realistic for most people i mean i'm a survival instructor i've lived off the land uh with nothing more than just a knife look it's easy to say you can hunt and fish and run a trot line but when you haven't eaten in 4 days and you've actively been surviving processing water building shelters gathering firewood not dying essentially and all the work that comes into play with that look you got about 100 yards of a walk in you and you're gonna sit down for two or three hours i know that because i've been there and done that so
0: surviving takes a lot of energy is that what you're saying it ain't
1: no joke (laughs) yep Yep. so surviving uh, is a full-time job absolutely ben you had mentioned earlier about the the spike in gun sales and you know, I've talked to a lot of gun shop owners here locally uh, yep. that I'm good mm-hmm. friends with. And, uh, excuse me, as you mentioned, a lot of new gun owners. And they, they basically told me <laughs> about 50% of their business over the last month was strictly new gun owners. Uh, yep. So I've heard I've a lot of I've been seeing the same exact thing. People coming in, I need
0: to get a gun, I want to get a gun. Uh, I want a gun that's easy to use because
1: I've never shot a gun. I've gotten that so many times. So many times. One of the things that is kind of discouraging to me is I've heard some people that are, you know, big gun people uh, say, oh, now you want to join the party. Now it's a little bit late. Now you've been against guns your whole lives. I I want to put it out there to all the gun owners who have been gun owners for a long time and have a lot of training. We need to take the exact opposite approach, and we need to welcome all of these new gun owners, and we need to help them get trained to safely and effectively be able to use their firearms. Because we we want to increase our numbers for people who are going to fight for our Second Amendment rights. So to anyone out there listening that is a new gun owner, welcome, uh, welcome to the family. We are happy to have you and we highly recommend that you get some training uh, as soon as you can you know time allows or money allows. go train with someone who can teach you a gun is a more complex thing than oh, I got a thing and I just pull the trigger and point it and the bullet goes where I want to go. Yeah, it works that way, but it's a whole lot more complex uh, when we start talking about, every round coming out of your barrel being accountable to you in a court of law. I think it's a tool. It's a tool for survival. It's a tool that
0: can be used for food, for signaling, for, for help. Um, Obviously for personal protection and self-defense, it's got a a multiple layers um, to benefit not only you, but your family, your neighbors, um, and if you know how to use it in all the right situations, all those people around you are going to be safer and, and better for it. Would you, I'm, I'm assuming we'd all agree with that.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we want you to be, you know, deadly to the right people and not dangerous to the wrong people. So we welcome yeah. you and we encourage you to get training. And Ben, you had mentioned obviously a, a new challenge for these new gun owners at this point is being able to find ammunition uh, so that they can train. You're,
0: this you're is the wrong time to, in my opinion, my humble opinion. It's the wrong time to buy a gun that you need to practice or learn to use, or, you know, go plinking with. Unless you've got a reloader and you can reload your own ammo and, and practice that way. I think it's a, it's a difficult time. Ammunition sales are, are spiked. Probably the high, the 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 worst I've ever seen.
1: Uh, A friend of mine was at uh, Bass Pro the other day, and he saw what he described to me as a very petite man in there, and uh, all the 9mm, 40, and 45 was gone. At that point in time, the only, like, pistol ammo left on the shelves was 10mm, and so this guy puts 2,000 rounds of 10mm in his cart. Walks up to the counter and says, Hey, can you sell me a gun that'll go with this ammo? <laughs> I've seen the same thing. I've seen the same thing. And they don't realize
0: that a ten millimeter is, you know, I mean that's a that's a very advanced shooter's firearm, not not something I'd buy for my first gun or recommend for a first gun.
1: That's what I carry in the woods with me when I bow hunt for a bear. Like it's <laughs> it's got that's some a backup. Yep. Right. That's my, my bear list.
2: <laughs> That's I what think state I take troopers
0: up in Alaska, they use the 10 millimeter for the same
1: exact reason for bears. I think that's the exact gun that they carry. But I do want to throw out really quickly a good, effective training alternative. Uh, there are a lot of airsoft guns on the market that are pretty much exact replicas of Glocks, M&Ps, SIGs, you name it. Uh, and there's probably an airsoft replica for it. The great thing about training with those airsoft replicas you can get the airsoft gun for 120 to 160 bucks uh you can get you know 5,000 rounds of bbs that are biodegradable for about 20 22 bucks and then you can get co2 cartridges for them for super cheap too and you get depending on the gun five to ten mags out of one co2 cartridge but the point of that is i would say 90 at least 90 maybe higher percent of what we're doing when we're training with a firearm is creating muscle memory and good habits. You can do that with an airsoft Mm -hmm. gun, uh, at anywhere from, you know, one yard to 10 yards. Uh, and they even reciprocate the only, you're not getting the full felt recoil and you're not getting that loud bang, but all of those mechanics that you're developing and creating good habits with, you can do all that with an airsoft gun. That's an exact replica of what you have and it's super cheap to train with. So there are still options out there. I mean, I'm not taking out a ton of my live ammo and training with that because right now it's next to impossible to replace, but I do have airsoft replicas of all my stuff, so I can still go train. It's just a little bit different.
0: Yep, I completely agree with that. Completely agree with the muscle memory. It is you know, sight picture, uh, dominant eye, where it feels comfortable on the shoulder or in the hand. Um, we can all benefit from, from that. Um, the other thing I use are snap caps. I think that kind of, um, simulates or gives that, that percussion to not, uh, be so surprised by the report, um, from the firearm. Um, uh, I I think we've, we've covered what's going on or what we've heard or what we've talked to in our circles outside of our, outside of our community. Um, we've talked about some self-defense, some other options to be aware of, be more aware of about what's going on in our surroundings, our homes. I think one of the topics I would like to really get into now is, with everything that's going on maybe not even before things were happening or maybe after the fact of something has happened we have all got to eat and there are multiple ways even if you live in an apartment and you can get your hands on some five gallon buckets and some bags of dirt that you can provide yourself with some tomatoes some cucumbers, some zucchini, some beans. And I'd like to turn this segment of the show over to Stuart uh to let him talk a little bit about some of his some of his garden preps. Um Stu, uh you and you and uh, Matt take it away with some of your garden preps we were talking before the show that you really wanted to jump in with. Yeah,
2: um so as uh, I've been mentioning on previous shows, I live uh, on a decent-sized bit of land in the mountains, in a forest. But I've got a a big open pasture right on my um, uh, front doorstep. And uh, what I did was I fenced off an area to keep the deer out and I put raised garden beds. I put uh, six raised garden beds, about eight foot long by four foot by about a foot high. And they're really simple to do. Just Google garden raised garden beds, and um, you can get plans to do them. You don't have to be a genius to uh, screw wood together, but it's pretty simple. And uh, what I did, the reason why I did that, the soil around where I live is very rocky. It's full of like little rocks. Um, when I was in the army, we used to call them bastard rocks because when you trip on them or roll your ankle on them, we, you end up calling them a bastard. But anyway, um, the, the raised garden beds, uh, allowed me to, um, in, increase the, uh, the soil agronomy, which is a fancy word for saying the soil quality. So, um, the first thing you do when you're gardening, you've got to figure out one, What do I want to grow? And for me, I wanted to grow vegetables. And then you've got to figure out what climate zone you are in. So you can do research on that very simply on the internet or any book on gardening, any good gardening book will have uh, climate zones in it. And then you match what climate zone you're in for what you can grow Um, because there's no point growing like oranges if you live in Canada Um, you know that stuff is for Florida or California or um, you know different climates have different um, vegetation and that's the same with what we eat so um, once I figured out what I wanted to eat what my climate zone was and what uh, would grow in that climate, and then I um, built those raised garden beds. A good friend of mine had given me a book called Lasagna Gardening by Patricia Lanza, and basically it's the soil ag- agronomy. You're building a or a substrate or something that you can grow your uh, v- your vegetables, your plants in. And lasagna, as we know, is like meat and pasta, meat and pasta, meat and pasta. Well. Um, to make the, the soil, uh, la- the lasagna gardening, what I did was inside those garden beds, I spread uh, hay, hay straw, and then I put manure and then soil and then straw, manure, soil, straw, manure, soil. And I kept going up until I got right to the top of that one foot high um, level, right to the top of the 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 boards with the um, raised garden beds and what that gives you is it gives you a substrate like for the the seeds to grow in and it helps uh, lock in moisture it keeps nutrients and it's um, it all breaks down into this um, really good little uh, biodome if you will for your plants to grow and thrive and so what I did was, um, I then went out and got the seeds for uh, what I wanted to plant, and I got what they call heirloom seeds. For those who don't know what heirloom seeds are compared to seeds you buy at Walmart or Kmart or wherever. A lot of those places uh, they will sell you hybrid seeds, and these seeds have been crossbred with other plants to make like a super mutant type of um, plant that grows an enormous yield. So large vegetables, hardy vegetables, all that. Now, that's good. That's that's good if you can buy those seeds every year, year after year after year. But in a prepping survivalist type of scenario – you want heirloom seeds. Now, heirloom seeds are not going to give you big fruit or vegetables. They're not going to give you the biggest looking or the most perfectly round potatoes or, or tomatoes or all sorts of things like that. Basically, an heirloom seed is like the original type of seed of plant when it was first found in the wild. What that means is, okay... We all know if you get a donkey and a horse and you crossbreed them, you get a mule, but you can't get two mules to have uh, another generation. You can't get them to mate. Well, it's the same with plants. If you crossbreed a plant with another plant, you may get good qualities in the next generation, and you might get one or two generations after that. But after that, they won't germinate. It germinates the when the, the plant sprouts in the ground. So um, I bought heirloom seeds. So in case I wanted to save the seeds from the next crop, I knew that they will definitely germinate and grow in the ground in the next uh, season that I, I plant. So I uh, planted... Um, my, my garden, and the way I did it was uh, in the northern hemisphere where we are, the sun rises uh, in the east and sets in the west like it does all over the world, but it, it follows a southerly arc, and so what I wanted to have is all my rows of vegetables growing in an east-west line so that the sun would get the most uh, exposure to the plants or the the plants will get the most exposure to the sun. Thereby, um, the plants, I wanted to have the larger, taller plants, like my corn, further to the north so they wouldn't cast shadow on the smaller plants. So I had, going from north to south, I had corn, I had uh, peanut plants, I had uh, tomatoes, I had eggplants, I had uh, lettuce, and I also had um, peppers. Okay. And then I also had uh, potatoes in a couple of other boxes. And um, basically everything grew really well except for the eggplants. I don't know why, but they didn't grow. But everything else came up and boomed and, and thrived. And it was really good to be able to walk through my garden and pick tomatoes and, and pick corn and go into the kitchen and lettuce and make sandwiches or or uh, add them to the meal I was already eating. And I was able to keep some seeds for next year. And I made, I grew thousands and thousands of potatoes, but... Um, another, uh, thing you've got to think about with gardening is when you plant. So you also got to find out when the traditionally or historically the last frost is, and that could have been why my eggplants didn't grow. Like there was a couple of times last year where we thought not, no more cold weather. And then we got a frost. But all those sort of things is is how you prepare to put your garden in. You've got to do all your groundwork. And the last uh, but not least is irrigation water. Luckily, last year, I had no problem with water. We had rain at least every other week. And so it depends on where you live. You may have to set up like a drip irrigation or whatever, but gardening is very essential um, for long-term survival. Um, Very few native people don't garden in some way. Like the Aborigines in Australia, even though they were nomadic, they would, um, if they were uh, finding yams, they would take three quarters of the yam and leave a quarter of the yam in the ground so that the next time they came back on their migratory route, there would be um, yams in the ground growing from what they left. So that is one of the oldest forms of, of, of gardening and farming and producing um, uh, staples from the ground. So, yeah, like we are talking before about people running off into the forest no, even unless you're prepared to go out and clear land and plant foods. Yeah, gardening is definitely something you want to do for long-term survival. And if the state you're in is practising a lockdown, this is springtime. This is now the time to be growing a garden. And like uh, you were saying before, Ben, even if you live on, in an apartment and you get some five-gallon bu- buckets and you put them out on your balcony, fill them full of dirt and manure and, and such, and grow a tomato plant, grow a pepper plant, grow some lettuce, Grow you could grow on a little uh, apartment balcony like I used to live in apartment. I could probably put 10 or 15 different five-gallon buckets on there and grow, you know, all different things just to supplement what I have in my pantry. And now's the time to do it. Um, you can plant and get a good crop uh going in within a couple of months so um while we're all at home, don't just be um have your head stuck in the computer or your head stuck in the tv you know get out into the garden and you'll be surprised what what you find like um you could uh find that a garden that you've never really um Thought about having can give you a lot of um, peace and tranquility just working with the earth, but it also gives you a good satisfaction of of another job that you can be doing to control the situation, and um, it's a good uh, peace of mind. So those points I talked out talked about before. Um, do your research. Get some seeds. Yeah, Amazon's going slow, but um, there's other companies that will deliver to your door or through the post. Um, Buy those seeds, find out what climate zone you're in and go out, get in your garden, have some fun. And especially if you have kids, what a great lesson to teach kids, hey, fruit, vegetables and all that sort of stuff doesn't come from the supermarket. Someone's got to grow it. So I, I... strongly uh uh recommend to everyone while they've got the time um now while all this is going on to plant a garden so uh yeah guys if you guys want to add on to anything to that
1: yeah i would just say <coughs> excuse me i've got a, a small backyard where i live and so having a big garden's not necessarily it's not an impossibility but uh, it's just not set up to do that right now. So, uh, while the kids doing school at home with dad, uh, we've been planting all kind. Of, I've just got a bunch of planters from Walmart, and we're you know planting like we're going to grow a lemon tree in the house. Uh, we just planted um, some green apple seeds, and the sprouts are starting to come up from that now. So, uh, you know, even even just like Stu said, doing something like that with your kid like today when we planted the lemon seeds like my little girl learned that it's a really good idea to peel the husks off the seed and it will start to germinate faster than if you leave it on because that husk has to uh degrade uh over time before that seed can sprout so uh and i would just tack on with what Stu's saying uh about the gardening and about the vegetables and stuff uh and and i I personally uh, need to learn more about this. If you're going to do that and you're doing that with the thought of, you know, prepping and long term, it's probably a good idea to also look into learning how to can, right? Because we want to preserve that stuff. I can survive pretty well in the woods during the spring and summertime off of what I can find, uh, whether that's through hunting or fishing, but definitely through plants because that's a big part of what we do at American Survival Co., A lot of plant walks, medicinal walks, those types of things. But guess what? In the Ozarks, it gets cold in the wintertime, and a lot of those plants that are going to keep you going in the summer and spring and early fall, they go dormant, right? And so we need to have some way, uh, like they did for generations and generations, to take that harvest from Uh, the summer and and late fall that you pull out of your gardens and be able to preserve it to have something through the winter. So just encourage you guys. I personally need to do that too. Um, But that would be a really, really good uh, idea so that now your gardening is not just, oh, I'm going to go have some fresh tomatoes. I'm also going to enjoy those and maybe sustain myself and my family on those uh, whenever winter comes along and times might get tougher. So that's my two cents. Stu, I think
0: you... I think you covered it good. The last, uh, last four or five days, uh, me and my, my better half, we've been, uh, getting the garden ready. Uh, my shoulders are killing me from driving those metal posts, which are a pain in the butt, but we've put up some fence around to keep, keep the chickens and the dogs out. Um, the other thing that goes with that is, you know, Thinking ahead, what can I plant three months from now that's going to turn out something three months later? You know, or w- while I'm getting this ground ready now, what am I going to prep or prepare for for the fall? I mean, you can have a a spring garden, a fall garden, and even a, even a winter garden. And for those of us that are lucky enough to have some property on to to hunt, um, prepping that winter garden for what we want to come and have a snack in our winter garden before we can them or before we kill them and then can that meat. Um, it is all that circle of life. It is that ecosystem that we're trying to maybe not control, but definitely be a little more, uh, dialed into. I've, I've started looking over the last couple of weeks about canning meat. Um, I've started ordering some jars and salt so that this winter, if I make it that far, that I can can some deer meat. I'm going to probably try to tinker with it and practice with it here over the next couple of weeks about canning some, I'm going to try some beef. I'm going to can some beef and see, or, you know, kind of get my get my my skills up so that whenever it does come time for deer season that I can I can, can some deer meat. Hopefully I get an elk tag this year and I can can some elk. Um Stu, have you done any um have have you done any canning for meat yourself?
2: No. Um all meat that I've got's in a freezer. Um, but I have um researched it a little bit. Um and uh that's something definitely on my list of skills I need to learn. Um I wanna get into canning and all that sort of stuff, but um, you can't learn everything in survival all at once. It's like you've got to, you know, say, I want to learn this next. Okay, learn it, practice it, get good at it. Okay, I want to find out something else. And that was something that I've put put further down the track. I Um, I wish I to know it, but I do have within my prepping group because um, even though we're called Lone Survivalists, you can't be a prepper on your own. Um, my survivalist group, I know I've got a couple of canners, people who've been canning all their life. And so um, I should be able to learn off them on the job if I have to. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, absolutely. The other thing I was going to talk about here really quickly uh, before we kind of close it out for a for a Thursday night. Um, within the lone survivalist group, I've had numerous... Uh, conversations, messages, comments back and forth with with a, a vast number of the members there. And it looks like now we're over the 13,000 mark. And I've noticed just kind of kind of looking at it as an observation viewpoint at some of the skills that some of the other people on our page are displaying. And I've reached out to a couple of the members uh, that are there to see if they would want to come on and share some of their information uh, one gentleman, I'll just say his name's Michael now, um, he's a uh, a healthcare provider. I think he's a, a nurse, so he's he's pretty busy, obviously, with everything that's going on, but he still has time to, he's got a, a hell of a garden, looking at the photos. He's got uh, goats and rabbits, and rabbits are a really sustainable and, and very, a productive food supply. He's got chickens, but the thing that caught my eye and I'm actually going to be purchasing some, or maybe bartering some from him is he has about 40 beehives and honey has so many applications or uses. It used to be used as an antiseptic. Um, but with honey, you can obviously make, you, you can make medicine and you can make booze, uh, and also make your your coffee or tea sweeter or, or whatever else you want to make. But whenever I reached out to Michael about him possibly coming on and talk about some of his beekeeping, and beekeeping is something that if you've got a backyard, you can you can have a beehive. You you can set up a a, a bee box. And I'm, I'm going to bring that bring him on to the show over the next couple of weeks if uh, if he gets the time. And I'm sure Matt, uh, you've got connections that are reaching coast to coast and probably uh in parts unknown and Stuart, you've got connections in uh the land down under and probably england and all over europe um and we all know different people with different skills that may want to come on and join us via skype and and talk about things going in their community you know what what's happening there what what they're doing to be better prepared there and and what they can bring or or share bring to the table or share share with us what what are you guys takes on that i mean is that something you'd be interested in bringing some different personalities on and and i mean this is a uh a vicious learning circle for all of us on how we can all learn to be better prepared
1: absolutely i mean i think all of those all of that above everything from uh you know emergency uh, or, or first line trauma care to, uh, to, to all the stuff you're talking about. I, I think it would definitely, uh, definitely benefit the listeners. Uh, I think we totally should. Fantastic. I,
0: I think it's a, uh, I think we're only going to learn as much as we pursue. And if we, we quit pursuing how to be better, get better, better, prepare, it it's an it's an endless it, you know that we can only stop us where we want to go. There's so much that we can be better prepared for. There's people out there listening tonight that are, like I like I've said, they're they're living in uh, a concrete forest. They're living in a city, and they want to be better prepared there. Life choices, life situations have have brought them to where they work, where they live. And I feel very fortunate to live in the Ozarks where I've got some outdoors, but but not all of us have that. And Matt, you said it the best. Uh, new gun owners should be welcomed to the community with with open arms. And I've uh, never turned down a new gun owner or anybody that wants to learn more because exactly what you said. The better prepared they are, that you know, the safer I am. Um, yeah that's the way I look at it, or if we're at the range and, and they, they know uh, good muzzle control, that's less likely for me to, you know, get lit up, so to speak. Um, I, I think we're probably at a, a good dropping off point. We've went a little over an hour tonight. Um, it's Thursday, April 2nd. I've got some topics kind of lined up for next week that, that me personally, I'm gonna bring. Um, I've I've really been busy with some white bass fishing here in the Ozarks. The white bass are running, so fishing's really picking up. And I'm really trying to up my game. To you know, I mean, there's a lot of public waters and rivers and creeks and everywhere else that you can go and mm-hmm. and get some some food supplies out of the water. So that's one of the things that I'm gonna uh, bring up and discuss for myself. Uh, Matt, Stu, what what are some of the topics you want to bring up
1: or talk about next week?
2: Matt, you can go. Uh,
1: well, definitely, um, you know, I'll update uh, uh, with what I, you know, intel that I get out of the group of folks uh, that are kind of spread across the country. I think uh, maybe that can bring some value uh, to listeners, uh, not just in the U.S., but, you know, abroad, too, to hear what's going on uh here uh so so definitely that'll be uh number one uh for me Stu. uh
2: yeah i want to probably talk about um some animals you want to keep uh on a uh, little homestead or or animals you could keep um that will provide uh, sustenance but also uh have multiple purposes so okay. also um just want to uh, keep uh, up to date with what's happening around the world. Um, While this coronavirus is happening, um, it's causing other stuff to happen. Obviously, the financial markets are very unstable. And I've heard several things about what's going on. But just um, maybe on another episode, or I could quickly touch on it now, the financial uh, repercussions of this virus um, are going to take a long time to fix, and so yeah, definitely, if you are beginning to be a prepper or a survivalist, um, now's now's the time to really start getting into it. So,
1: um, and if if I could, as a kind of close out for my end of things, I yeah, want to close bring- it down. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I want to bring up people paying attention and staying safe, doing the social distancing thing. You know, it was two days ago uh, during the the presidential you know daily Corona address. You could see obviously the uncomfortable look on their face whenever they said, we anticipate in the next two to three weeks this huge spike and they expect a hundred to two hundred thousand. People may perish. That's uh, that's that's not nickel and dime stuff. That's a lot of people. So odds are uh, that's a conservative number. If that's what they're saying, I mean, you can only imagine how much it pain uh, you know pained uh, that administration to have to say that to the American people. Uh, so that may even be a very conservative number. So I just, with those things in mind, I want to encourage everyone to keep practicing. You know, the washing of the hands, the social distancing, disinfecting things, disinfecting uh, packages whenever, you know, they're delivered at your door from Amazon. Spray those things with whatever you got to disinfect them. When you bring them in your house, if you're getting takeout food, disinfect that stuff. Everything should be coming out of those containers onto a paper plate and all that stuff should be thrown away that it was packaged in and your hands washed thoroughly before you eat. I just want to encourage everyone to... Uh, to kind of pay attention to what the CDC and other health organizations are saying to do, because uh, if their predictions are accurate uh, in the next week or two, three cops, uh, we're going to see a lot of significant developments uh, with possible casualties. So take it serious. Uh, Don't be gathering in groups, uh, even outside of your family. Just, I just don't even do it even with close friends that I think would be safe. You, you just don't know. So just encourage everyone to to take that stuff serious and and stay safe out there.
0: Well, well, uh, Lone Survivalist listeners, uh, survival preppers, doomsday preppers, whatever you want to be called tonight, this is April the 2nd. Uh, we encourage you all to go to patreon.com backslash Lone Survivalist. You can join there as little as a dollar a month, it'll keep the show going. It'll keep the mics lit up. Um, we encourage all of you, like Matt said, stay safe, stay, uh, I hate to say stay alone, but, but stay separated, stay away from each other. Um, yeah. Prepare a little more, stay away from each other for a while. Let this calm down, educate yourself, stay positive, positive. Um, and, and, Maybe use some of this time to work on some of your own skills, your own preps, work on your bug out bags. There is something to do every day if you just put a few minutes into it that you can better yourself for, for the next step. Um, if there's nothing else, guys, I'm going to go ahead and close it out. Like I said, patreon.com backslash alone Survivalist. Show will be going live here on the, on the page in just a few minutes. We'll be back next week uh good lord willing and the creeks don't rise we'll be back next week uh same bat time same bat channel with lone survivalist you guys have a good night stay safe thank you